1: And welcome to another episode of the Rabona Podcast. I'm joined again by Michael De Silva and Ryan Hun, And the theme of this week's podcast is transition. That is to say, teams and players who are making big steps, either up or down the pecking order. Michael, Ryan, welcome again. Hey, hi, Mesa. Great to see you again. Um, yeah, let's get straight into it. So um, we're a few games now into the... Domestic schedule, both in England and Europe, the wider context. And some interesting strides being made by certain teams. Mm. Watford, in particular, four straight wins. Yeah, I mean, we
2: talk about teams in transition. Watford, four wins on the bounce. I right, mean, right. it's impressive. Um, they look great. I mean, they look like the complete... They look like what Burnley were last year.
1: <laughs> With more of a goal threat. That's yeah. what I like about it. They're expansive. and I love that they've won four games playing... You know, fairly open style. Um, I'm really impressed by the recruitment of Pereira from, I think, River Plate, Mm -hmm. um, who is a terrific footballer. Um, And just, they look like a side that can expose your weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, they've got goals, which is, you know, scored nine already. Right.
2: Um, Only conceded three. Yeah, I mean, I think they could be... um, Vicarage Road could be a real fortress for them this year. It's a difficult... So we're in this era of big arena stadiums, you know, Vicarage Road is uh, one of the old school grounds and can be tricky for some of the big teams to go there and feel comfortable straight away. And Watford made Spurs feel um, uncomfortable from the start. And I felt when Spurs took the lead, it was somewhat undeserved. Um, and Watford just hung in there. They went down a goal down, but they were just so like courageous.
1: Um, but it's more than that. They've got quality. Right, right. Well, that's the they kind of seem to expose the pressure points. And mm. I think I mentioned this to you before, but you look at how Watford have been eviscerated by Man City last season. And if Man City you went to Watford like, you know, tomorrow, you'd expect, you, you wouldn't be surprised to see a draw in that game, would you? You wouldn't be surprised to see a one all draw. No, I mean, I think they, they,
3: yesterday, they made Spurs look very shaky. Yeah. And I, it was... Quite unusual, actually. Think to see Spurs like that. Usually, they go to teams like that. Maybe my memory isn't serving me correctly, but they seem to just kind of ease through those games with an element of control Mm. a lot of the time. Maybe more so than you know, someone like Arsenal would, or even at times Manchester United. And I think that yesterday they looked under pressure from the start, and it was it was quite um, odd to see Spurs like that. Actually,
2: a lot of teams are figuring out against Spurs if you keep the ball against them and make them chase, um, that's when they're at their least comfortable. They Spurs like to dominate. They always like to have um, more of the ball. And Watford didn't let them play. So, um, yeah, it was impressive. It was great. And uh, it wasn't great for me, but it was great <laughs> to see them do so well. And I think they're going to be a, a match for anyone really this season.
1: Can I just also throw something about Spurs? Is there a sense maybe that, some of their players' powers are slightly diminishing? as you get a bit old? Like I'm thinking of maybe like Dembele, for example, in midfield. Is, is there a sense that there's maybe some performance levels are, just with re- regard to wear and tear, maybe dropping off a little? I don't know. I think central midfield is a bit of a
2: problem area. Um, Dembele is really kind of, he's, he's a fantastic player, but he's kind of, he's waning a little there's bit. There's a lot of mileage on that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's and what I was, was thinking. You know, he's um, he's um given Spurs a lot of service, you know. Mm. And I think he's been there seven years now. You know, there's been some great performances by him over the years. And I would say even the first leg against Juventus last season in the Champions yes, League. Yeah. He was absolutely outstanding then. Um But you're right that, you yeah, know, that time could be catching up with him. And there is a lucrative offer from Beijing Guan. Um uh, oh, really? Pending. Yeah, and that he's apparently mulling that over. That's... uh could, could happen in January. What about Dyer as well? Dyer's form doesn't seem to be... Yeah, Dyer seems to be a bit out of favour at the moment. Um, he's... I think his his limitations have kind of been exposed a little bit. Um, mm. He's he's never been the paciest. Um, he's, you know, defensively, he's a, he's a, he grew up as a defender and that's his strength, but he doesn't really offer that, like, you know, the... What a, a real driving midfielder from from the centre. Like Pogba, for example. He gives you everything. Like Dembele yeah. used to be. Yeah. You could say that, yeah. Um, so I think Dyer is a good player to have, but I think Spurs really need to go out and buy a box-to-box all-action midfielder, really.
1: Well, if we can leap across London for a moment, because another sort of box-to-box player, of course, is N'Golo Kante, and was an impetus behind Chelsea's fantastic victory. And they are a team who look really resurgent under Sarri. You know, Pedro is looking terrific. His movement's great. Hazard has just really taken up where he left off at the World Cup. Yeah, he's brilliant. It's just been seamless. I'm so impressed with how uh, Chelsea can just
2: fire their manager, bring in a new guy, and everything just works. mm. And it happens season after season. Well, maybe two seasons. I
3: mean, it's been interesting this season how, how seamlessly they've switched to a back four with a fairly... Uh, new-ish partnership with Luis and Rudiger as the two, mm. very, and they look really solid. Mm. They look very good in midfield. Uh, Kante and Jorginho working together really well. I think yeah. Jorginho's
2: Fabregas. He's though. just a really, he's a, he's a really lovely football. player to a, watch. Yeah, he just, is. He is. Um, what, does, what does this mean for Fabregas?
1: I honestly don't know. Beginning of the end, maybe. He's been well. He has been injured. He's been out. I mean, he he was captaining Chelsea in pre-season. Mm. He is part of the setup. It's mm. just really a. It's more of an injury thing at this point, yeah. Long term, it can tell because if you look what Fabregas offers you as a passer, mm. I mean, come on, like yeah. the, I find it difficult to believe that he will not play a significant role at some point in this season, yeah. Because really, even Jorginho, nobody has an eye for, for a pass like Fabregas mm. in that Chelsea squad,
3: and also know? he's into his 30s now, and even though that's not Old, relatively, I think for someone who's been playing top-flight like football regularly since they were sixteen,
1: and football of that intensity, yeah, yeah, um,
3: yeah. and hasn't missed huge, huge, huge periods uh, with 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 injury. He's been semi, you know, pretty consistent throughout his entire career, and you see how sometimes that can catch up with players. Actually, can
1: we just give let's have a moment of respect for Fabric this guy is durable. Mm. has turned up for the big games and the small games in equal measure. Yeah. And in an era where Arsenal midfielders were having the hell kicked out of them, mm. has stood tall. I remember it was a game against Stoke, one of the games away, you know, after the, sort of one of the really bad, one of the couple of bad tackles that got put on big Arsenal players at the time. And Fabregas went away from home and absolutely took him to church.
3: That was, <laughs> was, that just... was the, uh, that was the game that Ramsey got injured, I think. Was it that one? Navy Blue. And he it. was,
1: yeah, they, they, and he was just out of this world. I remember thinking these people are trying to put all manner of like combine harvesters on him and he just was having none of them.
3: <laughs> yeah. The thing about Fabregas, which is really great is that, um, he was obviously supreme. He still is supremely technical. Mm. And um, at that time where Arsenal had a bit of a rep for being easily bullied, he had some real bite to him. And, you know, he was yep. captaining in a very young team and he was still very young at the time. And he had like a real streak right. where he was just like, no, this isn't going to happen. And unfortunately, at that time, the Arsenal team that was around him wasn't good enough to, to kind of sustain major challenges.
1: I think there may be a slight stamina issue with Fabregas because a lot of people talk about mm. him tailing off after uh, the new year. Mm. And I don't think it's because he's a choker, because if he was a choker, then he wouldn't be so good at major tournaments at the business end. I think it may be more a fatigue thing. I don't know. But it's this actually this rotation he might experience in Chelsea might really help him. Yeah. And They'll be dangerous actually come come into the, the season. I well, think Fabregas seems like a,
2: a, a nice stepping stone to talking about Arsenal um last weekend i mean mm, 3-2 yep. against cardiff cardiff i think i mentioned to them because i think they actually played their best game of the season despite losing um they seemed finally to be getting to grips with the premier league a little bit but uh arsenal were too strong and lacazette and obama young i mean i w- i'd like to see more of those two together actually yeah
3: it's the first time they've started together this season mm. and they look really good i think obama works really well on that left-hand side. Lacazette moves a fixed point. Uh, yeah, and Lacazette just offers you so much as a, as a number nine. He's, yeah. r- he brings other players into play a lot of the time like Giroud used to, mm. but he's obviously a little bit sharper. I think mm. he's a, probably a better
2: finisher well I mean that winning goal you know I mean it's what a finish yeah I mean he didn't really have much room shades of Alan Shearer against Switzerland <laughs> in Euro 96
1: yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah very much <laughs> well Batistuta against sorry to bring this up again was it against Arsenal the Fiorentina one at Wembley. Yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah yeah unfortunately oh my, that was brutal. That. I mean look, yeah. look, look, look it's Battistuta, that's not yeah. you know, no, <laughs> no one is responsible for that
3: um, I want to give it like real props to Cardiff though because they did make it very difficult for Arsenal I'm not entirely sure whether all the credit lies with them for that or whether it's maybe Arsenal's inability to just look solid at the moment well
2: I think whenever I've watched Cardiff this season they've just been toothless and they actually attacked that game yeah and scored
1: their first two goals don't they always have a go at you Cardiff Cardiff always give you a good game don't they most sides do no, 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 but no, no, but the way that you match up the way that you match up with Cardiff in particular I think the last couple the last three, four years mm. you've faced them with some quite big matches and they've mm. always because they like to play football and Arsenal let you play football yeah. they don't suffocate you Arsenal have got a very style where as people like Arsenal watching them because mm. they allow for open play and Cardiff seem to respond quite well to that
3: I think in the same way with Spurs and Watford though I think that actually going to places like Cardiff is can be difficult if you're a, a especially if you're a top Six, eight side. Those, those grounds are a real asset and the crowd are really lively. Oh, and you, yeah. and you've, we, we touched on it a few weeks ago with, mm. with West Ham this season and how they've lost a huge part of that moving to the, the London Stadium. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure it's the core thing, but you're seeing how different they seem to be now when you go to their ground.
2: I wanted to ask you about Meza Ozil because he's had a tumultuous summer and start of the season as well. Rumours of a rift with the coach already, but he was played on the right this time. Mm. And how did you think he got on? He was quiet in the first half. Second half, he got into the
3: game a lot more, was responsible for the, the pass to Lacazette who laid it off for Aubameyang's goal, which was the second goal. And that's what he brought a lot in the second half he was um, breaking the lines a lot with passes something we've seen him do
2: a lot and because um, I think if Meza erzl can adjust to being on the right-hand side um, and that means Arsenal get the best out of Lacazette and Aubameyang yang. And you could really have something. And
1: better it overlaps so well. It's yeah. actually quite a nice little placement to tuck in like this.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think um well it's, I mean he's he's moved positions quite a lot in his career. I mean, he played a lot of the World Cup for Germany 2014 from the left. Mm. He played a lot from the right for Madrid, um, or drift and he has that ability to drift in. Yeah. And I think that when you have players like Obamiang and Ozil on the pitch and Ramsey, they all like to roam a little bit. Yeah. And um I'm Mikatarian too. Mkhitaryan too. Um and I think that he, one thing he did a lot in the second half was, uh, as always, dropped in a little bit deeper. Ramsey drifted. He gets into those little pockets that not a lot of other players can get
2: into. Attacking wise, Arsenal could be really exciting
3: this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, attacking isn't really a problem. They yeah. just, I think it's going to take uh, a long time for Emery to get the defensive side sorted. I think Torreira could be a real key part of that. He came on again and had, a, a, again, had a huge impact when he came on.
2: How, how long do you think, um, it's going to be before we see Leno in goal for Arsenal.
3: I'm not too sure if I'm being honest. I th- I could it wouldn't surprise me if he was back in for something like a Carabao Cup game or a Europa League game and then started in the Premier League. I yeah. think it's going to take a game like that for him to maybe for him for Check to be quote unquote rested. Yeah. And then uh, there needs to maybe a, we'll for see.
2: For someone like Czech, what he's achieved in his career, you know, his capabilities even if they might be on the downward slide, I think he deserves the respect to at least prove himself. Um, even when Hugo Lloris came in at Spurs, Brad Friedel was still the number one, yeah. and he had to he had to. I mean, Check and,
1: place. it's funny with Check and Joe Hart because they're both in an era of skill sets needing to be upgraded. Mm. So Joe Hart was very much a victim of not being able to play out from the back. Petr Cech is also suffering from that to an extent. And it's funny because you look at someone like Alisson, Liverpool, who made a mistake which was punished, but you know, Liverpool's to one and they looked resilient in doing so. But the transition between the kind of ball playing goalkeeper and the goalkeeper that just basically commands his box and makes saves mm-hmm. is not just good enough to be, you know, great at handing the ball, to be supreme at commanding the ball when you come for a for corner. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel sorry for Cech actually because. I feel sorry that he couldn't see out the end of his career or the kind of, you know, the the, the last part of his career without being under threat in that fashion. It's always a shame to see great keepers going out like that, I think.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing about that was that it was... It invites so much pressure and it invited pressure from, I think, the first 10 seconds. The ball went back to check and it was a little bit chaotic, not too confident. And that set the tone for a lot of that first half. He gave the ball away after about 10 minutes straight to Harry Arter on the edge of the box, who... Should have done better. And he seemed scored. nervy, didn't he? He does, I think, because I think he's getting a lot more of the ball than he has Stressful. done in his career. Can I mm. can I can
1: I throw this in as well? Because I want to give a quick shout out to David Priest, a fantastic writer, mm. former goalkeeper, of course, yeah. professional goalkeeper. And David Priest was analysing alison's mistake against Leicester and made a very good point. He said, "Look, Joe Gomez wasn't showing for Allison when Allison was trying to play the ball out and." Not only are players expected, goalkeepers expected to play the ball out from the back, but also I think defenders are having to adjust for that. They're having to adjust for showing for a goalkeeper the same way they would show for a midfield or a defender. And yeah. I, I, I want to get on, on Liverpool. I don't want to just be critical because there's so much to say that's good about what they're doing. They've won four straight the yeah. first four of the season. They've looked in cruise control, actually, for some of those games. Mohamed Salah has scored a couple of times, hasn't actually been at his best. And they're, you know, they're kind of in third, second to third gear. Mm. And they're looking very impressive. And I want to give a special sort of shout out to Sadio Mane, who I think is still a little bit underrated, because here is a guy that basically, in you know, of that front three, he's probably the least heralded, but always delivers.
2: There's a, there's very good reason to think that he could be the most Salah this season. Now teams are going to be looking to shut down Salah as quickly as possible. It might give Mane a few more openings.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think Mane is someone who, you know, was terrific in the Champions League final yeah. after lose. They lost Salah, and he took the fight to Madrid. Mm. And this year, you know, his movement, his speed, his his touch, his vision is just extraordinary. And mm. you know, they look. Liverpool have made the transition better than Man City have. Man City, I think, are actually struggling really badly from the absence of Kevin De Bruyne. Absolutely, that's, a, huge, big, that's a big huge loss. Huge miss. Yeah, bigger than maybe most people outside Manchester anticipated. I think Guardiola saw this coming. And they've also got, you know, the sort of, uh, the indifferent start to the season of Leroy Sané to contend with.
2: You could really start to see um, the miss of De Bruyne when City are faced with those, you know, really big games, you know, those crunch games. Um, I think they've got more than enough to get through most tests in the Premier League. But... He
1: could be that extra five percent. That it's his passing that opens up teams. If you oh, look yeah. at you know you look at City and the games they've won, they dominated from the flanks against Huddersfield. They won the six-one. Yeah. But if you look at the, you know look at Wolves and their most recent victory, you know Newcastle. These are limited teams mm. that really push them to the to the extreme, and it's because they don't have that passing guile to open up teams to the true them. The flip side is that
2: we're probably going to see more of Bernardo Bernardo Silva, right. who um, I think has got. He can unlock defences, but it's a very different skill set.
3: Yeah, De Bruyne Um, is very much like the glue, I think. Yeah, And he kind of can facilitate a lot of different traits in that team that just make them click a Mm. lot better than when he's not there. Absolutely. Like Ericsson at Spurs, for example. I think that you take Ericsson out, it's not just the attacking side so much. It's it's a lot of other things that people don't really see that are a little little bit more intangible. Well, Ericsson and
1: De Bruyne are two players who you can absolutely rely upon to be as effective at the beginning and the end of a move, mm. you cannot say that necessarily of Bernardo Silva at the moment, mm. and even David Silva to an extent. You know, David Silva can score goals, but you know, De Bruyne is a legitimate goal threat yes at all times, as is Eriksen and that I think is the major difference. He's become
2: an inspirational figure in that team. Absolutely, that's team. Yeah. maybe we should set out walls again. Yep,
3: yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Beat West Ham. Yeah, West Ham in big trouble. Four yeah. straight defeats.
1: <sighs> Brutal.
3: Um. What do, you think, do you think? Do you think? Do you think they're going to give Pellegrini
2: time, or do you? Think they have to. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely have to. That and squad spent, is not good. That but they spent so much money. They've spent a, they spent. They spent 100 million this season. I think. Yeah, i for me their midfield is a big problem. They just there's no pace in there. You know, Wilshire with the greatest will in the world is not, not quick, <laughs> quick, and he's not the player that we. This the idea thought he of
1: rather than the actual Wilshire. Yeah. Look, we're, we're big fans of Wilshire's abilities and. Mm. But you know, wear and tear catches up with you. Yeah, yeah. this this is something beyond his control. And I looked at that squad of players, and I just thought to myself, "Oof, West Ham have got it's all a bit substandard."
2: It does sometimes take a while for a manager to implement his ideas, and I think. Pellegrini's got a very different way of seeing the game to David Moyes and it might take some time for the players to do it, to adjust and I'm sure that West Ham will pick up but even if they do pick up I think there's some fundamental flaws there in that
1: yeah. team but to them Arnautovic had a very good effort saved by yeah. Ru Patricio who made an extraordinary save, save yeah. so you yeah. know if that goes in that's three points at home true but
2: West Ham's yeah. best player this season has been their goalkeeper Fabianski mm. yeah and that says everything really yeah, that's never a good
1: never a good sign yeah. yeah
3: they're a bit i mean similar to everton in a way like you were saying before about how it's going to take time and i think a cult uh, that's a massive shift in culture from someone like sam allardyce to mm. to um oh my god the guy's name silver Bang. yep silver. <laughs> <laughs> blank uh and you know same with Moyes and pellegrini yeah. and you know everton looked really good and then they've looked not so great and you did you say a bit bit catfishy
1: well, yeah. <laughs> you got me in trouble now. Yeah. I said before the podcast, it's just with Everton. It's like, it's just making sure you're attacking, you've got attacking diversity. They had a slight problem with Lukaku where things went through him quite a lot. They had, you know, great supply for him. Obviously for to a certain extent uh, was great at that, at that point. But my concern with them is just have a variety of goal scorers. Mm. So, you know, have a, have maybe three players that can score for you regularly. A bit like Spurs had when Sun really came to his own. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's all I really concerned about them. I mean, they look good. They look fresh. They're doing quite exciting things. You know, they're getting in charge in a game. They're getting ahead in games, not necessarily closing games out, but there's there's potential there at Everton, I think.
2: Yeah. Well, another team that have uh, well, managed to turn that corner unlike West Ham is Southampton. They finally got yeah, when Danny Ings scored, I think that's nice.
1: Yeah, Palace re- as well. That's I'm, a good win. Yeah, yeah I really like result. Danny Ings. Mm. I'm really
3: glad that he's, you know, seems to be fit. Yeah, he's, at a club that I think he fits pretty well. Exactly, he's got he's, the right club now. I yeah, I think he's one of those. There was a big string of players who moved to Liverpool, and and it's no disrespect to Liverpool or the player, but it just wasn't the right fit. And there was yeah. a big, there was a good few years where a lot of players did that. and You're talking didn't about quite Ricky work. Lambert. <laughs> well, Ricky Lambert's a bit different because he had such a strange career. He's a Liverpool fan. And when you get to that stage of your career and Liverpool come in, you're going to go. But yeah, there was a, yeah. you know,
1: but what Lambert suffered from, it was more, they felt they needed a target man. So if he, yeah, each, each each time when Liverpool signed a player from Southampton, and this is credit to Southampton, each of those players was somebody who would offer something new. So Lallana offered, you know, creativity and pressing heart to pitch. Ings is someone, you know, he's gone to Southampton now and he's... From Burnley, and he's a player who's technical, who fits so well into their ethos. Yeah, and Southampton kind of always, they've always produced that kind of player that offers something new to your Mm. squad. And I I don't think, I don't think at the time that any of those players were bought by Liverpool. Liverpool's defence, they were the wrong player for Liverpool. Mm. They weren't wrong. It was just there was problem behind the scenes with ownership, with management, and these just were Mm. players that didn't get a, a fair run at. Yeah. Uh, a fair run at the first team so
3: big shout for Heubier's, uh goal as well because it was nice finish it w- really looked like a, you know when you see old footage of old cup winners cup games yes. from like the 70s guy charging forward his socks around his ankles
1: it was a bit it Kenny was, Dark Leach against yeah. Bruges it was a bit like that it was, <laughs> it was like, really like, good Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, it belonged in sepia didn't it maybe right. quickly before we go for a break United back in business in a beautiful pink kit. Come on,
1: back oh. in business. I mean, we've never been out of business. Look, we've got we've got thirty five sponsorship corporate partners. <laughs> biggest revenue. <laughs> you know, you talk about forget your net spend league tables. Talk about GDP. We've got the biggest. We've got the biggest GDP of any major major footballing nation. No, Moose
3: sorry. has got smoke blowing out of his ears. Oh goodness! Okay, well, did you business. see uh,
1: Lukaku's oh, you mean interview? The football. Oh, sorry, the, actual the football. football. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, we're, we're, we're a football team. Sorry. <laughs> did you see
3: Lukaku's interview after the game where bank. he said? Uh, oh, actually, Mourinho, he's a really nice guy on the training ground. He's completely different. And when the interviewer, I think it was on Match of the Day, put that to him at first, his face went really defensive, like, they're coming for me again. And then she went, no, no, no in a good way. <laughs> and he really softened. And he was like, you know, people who know me, they think I'm a nice guy. <laughs> you go, you lot don't really know
1: me. Mourinho is a very strange... <laughs> That's funny. I'll say this before the break. Mourinho is such a strange character because he is misanthropic and at the same time really likes to be liked. It's really, really an extraordinary an extraordinary quality. And, you know, about United very quickly, we won't dwell on them too long. We talked a lot at length recently. Lukaku scored twice, which is great because I think he had a bad start to the season. I think he'd admit that. Uh, but looking across at Burnley, this is a team in trouble. I think, I wonder if they've been you know, partly overextended by the European excursion, but I also think there's an element of it's exhausting mm, to play yeah. that way with that level of defensive intensity an entire season. With yeah. a
3: very limited squad as well and for they've a, had a summer couple off, of years as well.
1: They've had a summer off and they've come back and people have studied them and people have hit them really, really, really hard mm. and they're finding it very difficult to find a plan B because they're also trying to play more expansive football. They've scored more goals, but they've been opened up more easily and I think they're going to have a very, very hard year.
3: And they've already played 10 games this season using 17 players,
2: which... It's, It's it's a good thing they're out of Europe, to be honest, definitely. They need to uh, get back to, yeah, and get back to what made them so difficult to beat last year.
1: So we're back from our break and we're going to leap into European news what's going on on the continent? Michael.
2: Wow, well, Bayern atop of the Bundesliga. Oh, Whoa, that's unbelievable! That.
1: Wow, transition there. Right. Stop aura. the season Shocked. now. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. yeah, um, more cliffhangers for us. It's, it's all a bit. It's all a bit predictable. But there's some changes there, aren't there? At Bayern, it's not. It's not all as it seems. Yeah. So well, Rodriguez I mean, Hamás
2: Rodriguez some, was. Uh, he was absolutely crucial to Bayern last year. I'd say for the second half of last season, he was the best player and. In the Bundesliga um, and it was really, you know, he was the linchpin of that team and we were getting back to seeing his very best. Um, sadly, we haven't really seen him much this year. Kovac doesn't seem to fancy him and he, he has to make do with 15 minutes off the bench.
1: And Thomas Muller's back in favour.
2: Thomas Muller's playing all right. He's linking up well with Lewandowski, who was the, the star man when they beat Stuttgart 3-0. Goretzka scored as well. Goretzka's scored a really nice goal. That was very well taken. Just one touch to make the space, and he just guided it into the bottom corner. It was a beautiful finish. So indication there that he's gonna fill the void left by um Vidal. Um I like
3: that by midfield this season. Like uh Tiago and Goretzka. I like yeah. that pairing. I would like it more if Hamas was in there. I'm a big Hamas fan. I think he's a classic. Well, I mean, it's the deeper two. I think that I mean, do you think he I mean Ribéry and Robin? aren't Going to play all season, are they? Do you think he's going to come in? Well,
2: koman has got an injury for the whole season or um, for many months, I think. Yeah, that's, the, a real, that's a shame. Though. Yeah. Um, but Nabry's there, so he'll play. Um, but yeah, they, they could. I mean, I think we might see more of Ribéry and Robin than we were all expecting.
1: I think Bayern <laughs> might get caught cold, cold in the Champions League again because of the lack like of competition, or will Borussia Dortmund push them hard again this year?
2: Well, at the moment, you've got some surprise teams up there that are pushing them Wolfsburg and Hertha Berlin are the only other two teams with maximum points um Hertha, oh Schalke are, are without any points whatsoever yeah. well yeah without even a point they've lost both their games um and Leipzig were held at home to Fortuna Dusseldorf um, having lost their first game. So they're right down there as well. So to be honest, bad news for the Bundesliga because you need Schalke and Leipzig and those teams making it interesting at the top. Especially Um, after Schalke last season, you you know, I kind of thought they might start pretty strong. Absolutely. Telesco's done a a, really good job. Yeah, he has, but it's been. And they're in the Champions League this year. They've got a game against Porto coming up. Big game to start with. Um, But the signs are not good for them at the moment. Duda got two in that game, right? Good free kick. Did you see the great free kick. Yeah. yeah. Can I
1: be Segway, Segway guy again? Oh. Talking of interesting at the top, looking at Spain, uh, only because I want to talk about Atletico Madrid and um, the fact they're not really at the top. They're struggling so far.
3: Well, they're not at the top at all. They're 10th. What was it? Was it what played three? Played three, won one, draw one, lost one.
1: Right, and they lost to Kelter, I think. Yes. 2 0. The devil work of Iago Aspas, who <laughs> finds space when no one else can. The demon, as you like to what say. He is an absolute demon in the best possible sense. I think a terrific player. Yeah. What's going on there? Well, they looked
3: very, very not athletic like. <laughs> um, they kind of lost their heads a little bit. Not in a good way. You know when like Atletico athletic, athletic go crazy and it's like, yeah, come on. It was a little bit like... Uh, Golan fell over. Yeah, Golan slipped for the Fifth first. Goal. Um,
1: second goal was a good one from Aspas again.
3: And then, um, yeah, there was a red card towards the end and that kind of finished him off. Mm.
1: Formation seems it was like a 3-5-2 they were playing, was it, at <sighs> one point?
3: They, they weren't very solid. They were a little bit all over the place. And, um, yeah, not very impressive. Is he trying something new? Well, I wonder how, I mean, we spoke about this It'll a couple of weeks so. ago after the Super Cup when we were saying that they've added genuine flair this season and how if you use their, the, you know, very robust defensive capabilities and add that flair to it, they'd be a really impressive side. Maybe it's just not clicked yet. I mean, it's only two or three games into the
2: I was excited to season. see Lamar sign for them.
3: Yeah, me too. Ooh. Um but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think it's come on. Surely we need to write them off. It's a,
1: it's just <laughs> hot the take central. It's the, age, it's the age of the knee jerk. Surely, surely they're doomed. Yeah, but
2: but look across Europe. Right, you've got Barcelona Real at the top of the Spanish league. Bayern already top. Watford. Germany. Watford. <laughs> yeah,
3: but Watford even even the in the, the Dutch
2: league, you've got. Yeah. Uh, PSV, Ajax and Feyenoord, top three. Yeah. And we're barely into September. Oh, Chris Arnold yeah.
1: out of scoring freely. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: well, yeah, you but, are top. I, know, but actually, yeah, I mean, you know. I, I do, maybe this is for another podcast, but I do worry a little bit for, well, I worry a lot for the future of European football because yeah, it's, it's being dominated by the same clutch of clubs.
3: Um, well, I think Betis are going to win the league this season after a, That'd be nice. a wonderful Seville Derby Great. yesterday which was really fun 1-0 right 1-0 uh, it was Betis' first home win in the Derby for 12 years the evergreen oh.
1: Joaquin the Gandalf it was Spanish amazing football. so Joaquin, Joaquin came on as a, substi-
3: as a substitute and scored two minutes later how old is he now 37 oh yeah but he's one of those players that no one in Spain really says a bad word about yeah. really he seems to just be a really popular like Cazorna isn't he Santi
2: Casola he's kind well, of
3: loved no, well behave no one's no one's that beloved as <laughs> Santi.
1: Sorry. sorry spot the arsehole, spot and the arsehole. great thing
2: about working is he's one of the few, or one of the rapidly decreasing number of players who's older than me. Um, <laughs> so it's always nice to see that. Yeah. He also, that amazing pizza place, uh, People, a little bit of local
3: knowledge. Pomodorino, Probably Strassmann, no. in Berlin. There's a guy who works in there who looks like Joaquin, <laughs> uh, even down to the blonde. You take blonde tips,
1: taking a photo <laughs> and show.
3: Um, but he's Italian. But um, also in Spain, can we just? Oh, actually, should... no. In that game, we need to talk about the red card, okay. which was oh, absolutely comical. amazing. So Rocky Meza had had a um, had a yellow already, and Paul Lopez is running out to try and throw the ball, and basically elbow drops him, and meza gets a second yellow paul lopez gets nothing it's
2: bizarre it so, was so the guy that was attacked yeah basically full-on <laughs> like, uh,
3: yeah full-on off the ropes but it was a really big win for Betis. the place went crazy
1: yeah sounds like a derby worth visiting actually at some point there.
3: yeah i mean i kind of gave it a shout out last week and it is it is always a really fun derby
1: can i just one because we always take leo messi masterclasses for granted but he put one up against Huesca. And what I love about that, you know, they they beat Huesca 8-2 after Huesca yeah. took the lead, actually, after about three minutes. Yeah. Huesca's first defeat of, of the season. Terrific Sorry. game of football. And Huesca really gave it something, which I love. They played so openly, which a lot of clubs don't have the bravery to do at the new Camp. And I think mm. it actually... Bodes very well for their season. If they continue playing with that kind of bravery, they'll stay up.
3: There's yeah. No well, their first goal was 19 passes and it was the most by a team in a La Liga game against Barcelona at the new camp since 2005, 2006.
1: And can I say this? Mm. Can I give, can I give? Just uh, considering they've just come up. Yeah. That's great. Well, tired, I want to uh, give yeah. Ernesto Valverde some credit because he gets a lot of criticism for not rotating his players enough. And what I love about what he did in that game was he paid Huesca the full compliment. Mm of putting up a team, a high intensity, in high, you know, a great lineup, to go through the paces and he gave them the full force of Barcelona. And and there's no greater compliment than that. I love that. I love when managers do that more often.
3: And also, bar beat Sociedad 2-1. Oh,
1: that's a tough game, Sociedad Bar.
3: They're always really fun, those games. Mm. I, I really want to go to a, one of the Basque derbies. Maybe Bilbao Hayabar would be There's fun. There's cuisine mm. too. could
1: be a weekend break. Maybe a <laughs> Robona road trip. Yeah. Well, let's make it happen. Let's see if the powers that be can subsidise it.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: sponsors. Any sponsors out there want to... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let's look at Serie A very quickly. Yes. Yeah.
3: Which one do you want to touch on first? Sam, well,
1: Samp Napoli? Uh, you know, what's funny. So Qualiorella scores this unbelievable goal. It was unbelievable as But well. then uh, so I look at you know, this. It's flying sort of Roberto Mancini style flying back heel. And, you know, which is, it's, it's a Sampdoria thing, isn't it? Flying back, because they love that at that club. Um, but it's funny, because I saw that goal, I thought, he's been doing that his entire career.
3: Well, yeah, he was asked after the game where it ranks is it in his best goals he scored. He said, oh, maybe top three.
1: I'm surprised it's that high. I'm, not, I'm surprised that that man has scored every kind of goal. Yeah, it
2: was apart good. Apart from the tapping.
3: Uh, Milan beat Roma 2-1 on Friday. Big um, win. Really big win, though. It was a massive win. And a uh, 95th minute winner for Milan. After... From a Spurs legend? No, equal, like the Roma equaliser was uh, uh, by uh, Spurs Hall of Famer got, got Federico got, Fazio. Fazio. you
1: got the winner first?
3: Uh, Cutrone. Iguain assist. Iguain did something amazing in that, that game as well. Did you, did you see this? Where no, he, I, uh, I missed this game. All of a sudden he popped up as like the deep lying midfielder, yeah. held onto the ball way too long, gave it away and went absolutely mental at everyone. <laughs> as if to be like,
1: this is your fault. Wow. I was
3: like, what are you doing there?
1: <laughs> Gonzalo. Goodness me, goodness me.
2: Um, And then you've got Kevin, Prince, Boateng, Sassuolo.
3: Fresh off his
2: uh, new single release. (laughs) Yeah.
1: He can rap.
3: He can rap. Yeah, 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 he can. What's his uh, rap name again? Was it Prince with like the dollar signs?
1: Yes, like two S's. Two dollar signs for the uh, P-R-I-N. And then if you're looking on Spotify, um, I think two dollar signs for the S's. Yeah, Yeah.
3: Berlin representing. Shout
2: out to Bedding.
1: Thank you. Yeah, respect, respect. They beat Genoa 5-3. And they're second in the table
2: just behind Inventors.
3: I really like like watching Sassuolo though. I don't want to sound like a a mega football hipster, but they're...
1: Play a nice style. They're just fun. They've had that since they came up though.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's like a
1: Chievo type vibe. Yeah, for sure. They really go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Can I just say also, I've mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo before and I just want to say that like, it's interesting because he's, you know, hasn't scored, but it's only been three games Um, and he's obviously having plenty of attempts on goal and at some point that attack will click around him. I just think it's interesting because you look at Madrid now and they've been a bit liberated, Bale and Benzema, mm. uh, in his absence. Um, and I really think that the nice thing about him being in Italy and the sort of messy Ronaldo dichotomy being lost is everyone can just get on with their football. Yeah. You know, and I think he's, he's he still will be a great signing for them. I think he's going to come into his own later in the season. There's always yeah. an element of,
2: and I, you know, it's, it's not necessarily his fault kind of is, but a bit of a circus around Ronaldo. Yeah.
3: Yep. I mean, it's a very different league as well to La Liga, yeah. you know, and it's going to take him time to settle there. There was a stat going around; I think he's had more shots without scoring a goal than anyone else yeah. in the major European
2: leagues. But he wasn't he slow to start for Real Madrid last year as well, and then ended up with in the league this. Yeah, was, he was quite poor actually early yeah. on. I think, I I think mean, Champions maybe, League he scored quite consistently, yeah, but league he didn't get
1: going for a while. Someone who's not having a really problem. Figure.
3: Someone yep. who's not having a problem with goals is Jovino for Parma.
1: <laughs> scored. His career in Italy has just been a real delight. Yeah. I love the I love it when players go. They leave a club and it doesn't quite work out and they go somewhere new and they just find their feet. I really, I'm really happy for him actually.
3: I'm really glad Palmer are back as well. Really, I'm really glad. glad. That's
1: just, that's a classic era. Carter shirt. Team. Oh really? Yeah, the number 10. I love. that <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. So last week saw two interesting developments. First of which was... England women's qualification for next year's World Cup.
3: Yeah, with a game to spare as well. They play Kazakhstan on, I think it's tomorrow, actually, Tuesday. But they're um, they're already through. They beat Wales 3-0. And Wales have played all their games. Um, so, yeah, I think England are two points clear. Look forward to seeing them in France. I'm really excited about the World Cup. Last one was great. Glad they're there.
1: And hope they'll get a good following given that it's, you know, so close to the UK, maybe get people travelling over. Yeah. And it's good, like, it was,
3: it's good that it's getting, it was on BBC Two, I think, on Friday night, which is. And no, no,
1: no, Lilo now a pundit officially yeah. for them, for the, it's BBC now. So yeah. that's great. So mm. some more coverage coming there. I Absolutely. Think on sides of the...
2: USA is still the, the team to beat next year, though, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I think so.
1: Good times. We'll be looking out for that. And it's great to have a, a women's team for Manchester United as well now, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Nice with, sense, a, with a top, top coach. Hey, listen, I'm really, really excited we've moved with the times at last. Yeah. Um that's really, really positive. The second piece of big news um is the Champions League draw. Mm. UA for Champions League. Yeah, it's almost a again. Yeah, really exciting. I want to leap straight to group C. There's always a group of deaf. Um Group C Red Star Belgrade, Liverpool, Napoli and PSG. Liverpool, PSG. That I just think goals. <laughs> <laughs> goals, goals,
2: goals. Um I mean really almost all of those games are goals. Napoli too, yeah. Um, I mean really it's really really exciting I think that is the closest we've got to a group of death this year Um, Spurs Barcelona could also be quite interesting and I'm looking forward to seeing Ronaldo going back to Manchester
1: Spurs actually I want to say like Spurs Barcelona in terms of it's really exciting because it's an opportunity to see how Pochino's developed with a squad that's essentially unchanged but also Barcelona making adjustments Dembele's looking really good Mm. so far this season yeah Coutinho will have a full season where he's eligible for Europe. A uh, Kind of a slightly new at Barca, but also Leo Messi, just a supreme playmaker again.
3: I think that group might be more interesting than people. Well, Inter Milan and
1: PSV as well. PSV. Not easy touches. Yeah. No. Not soft touches at all.
2: PSV flying high in in the, the Dutch league. Could be... Uh, Tricky for, for Spurs there. Uh, Athleti, Dortmund, Bruges, Monaco. Yeah, that's Athletico, Dortmund, I think, could be really nice. Um, nice to have Monaco in that group as well, actually. True, true. Monaco, well, I mean, Monaco versus Dortmund, of course, that's going to be a, an, emotional, um, yeah. an emotional game. Mm. I was there last year for the the game that was um, cancelled and then or postponed for a day, which we thought at the time was too quick. Um, the Dortmund fans made a protest Um to say that UEFA were money grabbers, and uh, I think there was a bit of ins- insensitivity around right. that whole issue, and I think it should have been delayed a lot longer than it was. It should have been it's played very, a week later. Yeah. It was very poorly handled. It I mean, was. that, that, that Tuchel wasn't game. happy about that at all. Well, actually, yeah, was he? He ultimately, was... that that was the beginning of the end for Tuchel and his relationship with the Dortmund board. Mm-hmm. They didn't see eye to eye over how it, the whole thing had been handled, both inside the club and um, and
1: how UEFA handled it and ultimately their relationship never recovered. Um, that game was really awful because it changed the course of players' careers. So Mark Bartra had gone to Dortmund and was doing really well.
2: Yeah.
1: and now It I think really affected back- him as well. Yeah, it was really... I mean, I think he... Understandably. Was, was he it Bartra like. who mentioned he looked behind... He was fine until he saw the headrest and the, saw there was a nail yeah. embedded in it. Yeah. And at that point he was like, yeah, that could have been me. And Bartra is a player that really had to rebuild himself after leaving Barca. So it's a yeah. tough, tough giggle around. It's there.
2: amazing that no one died in that attack. I mean, it was... Um, it was a terrible thing to happen for uh, such a stupid reason.
1: Well, that's a wild thing. I mean, this is slightly veering into politics for a split second. It's so weird because in German press, it was being discovered as is the best Bomb plot. And then when it worked out that there's a guy trying to like yeah. boost the share price, it kind of disappeared from the media. And I'm like, yeah, okay, there wasn't mm, a lot. That's of that actually direction. pretty. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty wild at that yeah
3: true yeah can we uh um, jump to the real news in europe this that's the europa league draw oh okay okay oh, i'm kidding really
1: but,
3: <laughs> uh celtic rb leipzig rosenberg red bull salzburg oh the red bull derby
1: the fizzy fiesta yeah uh,
3: <laughs> yeah moving on <laughs> um we also have i think that's uh,
2: genuinely interesting though because it's uh it's salzburg knocked leipzig out of the uh Europa League yeah. last year and um, there's already a bit of bad blood between them <laughs> yeah
1: but they're just not that exciting a team Red Bull Leipzig this season are they RB Leipzig well
2: I think they've had their heart Lost. ripped out from uh, with yeah, like Venice. Venice. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think it was strange that um,
3: Nagelsmann decided to go there and announced it I think that's going to be very odd yeah it's a bizarre one but
2: I think it could re energize them oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh it'll
3: give them wings and <laughs> oh, uh, what about um the transfer deadline it was transfer deadline
2: day. the window slammed shut in in, in europe, europe yeah in, in outside of England, and yeah we saw a few deals go through, nothing massive, but um i th- I thought uh burnout's move to p s g was quite significant, yeah um too cool obviously uh Bringing in a few Bundesliga players and Bernat is a really dependable left back. I think he is kind of what PSG actually need, like some, some um, pragmatism to go alongside the, the the, the flair, and he's going to do a really good job. I think with him on one side, Mounier on the other, I think they got a, a nice
1: well, pairing. It's funny. I think Tuchel will actually welcome that really tough Champions League group mm. because I think otherwise. They might go stale. Yeah. Um, you know, PSG obviously have big designs in the Champions League, and the group they've got in mean, the Group C against Napoli, Red Star, Liverpool, is a great place to cut your teeth.
2: Absolutely. It's the, it's like the buying thing last year. They didn't really face anyone. You know that is really going to challenge them until right. what the semi-finals of the Champions League. Yeah. Um, I think they. Yeah. Until that point, have only lost one game in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, I think PSG needed it. They needed that draw. Uh, speaking of PSG, trap, back to Eintracht. Yeah. Is that he, a permanent deal? Yeah, he needed to reinvent himself um, because he'd kind of, for quite a while, for well over a year, he'd lost his place at PSG, wasn't able to get it back. I thought did reasonably well when he was yeah, in same. goal for PSG, but... Yeah with Buffon arriving that's certainly going to be the end for him even if just for a couple of years and I think Trapp just needed this move. So I think him playing every week is going to be is going to be good for him and if he wants to reassert himself in the German setup then he has to yeah, do it. Yeah.
3: Another interesting signing was Kevin Strootman to Marseille. Mm.
1: I mean he's been yeah he's he been had two massive injuries managers have wanted Kevin Strootman because he brings so much. Um he's like sort of a Mark Van Bommel's nicer, nicer cousin. <laughs>
3: he was a football football manager, instant sign a few, <laughs> a few years back.
1: Yeah, Stroeman's an extraordinary player. I'm just really happy that he's landed at a club like Marseille, which is really supportive of big foreign signings mm. and which is just a great stadium. And if you've been to Marseille, anyone listen to this podcast, but it's a terrific new state We're well, a fairly new stadium. Uh, the Velodrome's been redone in the yeah, last few years. Yeah, with a
2: roof. Redeveloped, yeah.
1: And I just, yeah, I just feel like it's a, it's a really great platform for his talents. They had a good win, didn't they, against Monaco, I think.
2: So yeah, yes, last night. right? They'll
1: hopefully yeah. be a strong contender against PSG because at the moment that French league is looking like a bit of a procession.
3: They also signed, did they sign Moussa
1: Dembele?
2: Or did Leon signed them. Leon, Leon did, sorry. Leon but signed Dembele, yeah. Um,
1: Which is good for him because I think, you know, again, the Scottish league, it's a good place to cut your teeth and to start. Um, and I think a stepping stone, but I think with the greatest respect is not really a finishing school for a player like that.
2: And so I think Celtic good. failing to qualify for the Champions League was a big deal probably the, the deal breaker for him yeah but, um so yeah he's uh he used to go there but Leon lost to Patrick Vieira's niece yeah big win for P they right, needed right. that he needed that yeah. I think <laughs> I think if he didn't if he would lost that game it could have been might but, have been it yeah but um but also talking of transfers Nuri Shaheen as well he um has been at Dortmund since 2001 on and off he went to <laughs> Real Madrid and Liverpool for a while <laughs> went back um You know, he started his career at Dortmund as a ball boy. Um, Yeah, started off as a fan, then a ball boy, then got himself into the youth team. And yeah, I mean, he's Dortmund through and through. So I think it would have been tricky for him. Difficult decision for him to leave, but... I think he had to do it. There's so, uh, you know, a dearth of central midfielders now yeah. at Dortmund and he, uh, found himself down the pecking order. So yeah, he signed with them for a couple of years. So he just got like
1: board of directors in all over him. He's like, you could just imagine, no, he sat him on the board of directors. Absolutely. Dortmund,
2: like, or I think I, he's got himself, he's going to be a Dortmund coach one day. Yeah. I he'll, so. he'll return. To, I think as soon as he's done at Bremen, he'll probably retire. Then, um, yeah, then sit in the dugout alongside... Uh... Gunduan number two.
1: Yes. <laughs> Getting the oh, band yes. back together. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we got got uh, the first round of League of Nations or Nations League. What oh is it? Is goodness. it Nations League? The, the League of title? Extraordinary
1: Nations. It, just, it sounds like a cartoon, like a Marvel DC Universe, cinematic universe. Yeah,
2: yeah. They're not quite,
1: they keep adding so many bells and whistles. It is like Marvel characters, like every... Sorry for the reference again, but every new year you've got some new permutation of the tournament's going to be here the home leg's going to be in Mm. azerbaijan the away leg's going to be in monaco it's like come on guys like hey come on
2: is it not just a way to spice up friendlies
1: no it's a money i think (laughs) it is
3: i think it is actually i think it is because friendlies got to the point where they were basically irrelevant to for um for for a lot of Mm. international footballers Mm. and um i mean i'm not entirely sure how much top level international footballers will care about winning the uh,
1: yeah, League of Nations of slash
2: Nations League but well, um, I think
1: Pogba will enjoy playing with France I think he'll enjoy getting back to the France camp after this after Well, this, France
2: have got yeah. an interesting game I mean France are playing Germany and Munich yeah. and it's a clash of two nations who are going in opposite directions yeah. um, France obviously off the back of the World Cup win Germany and Disarray, but they've, Joachim Lerf has brought back Sane. He's back in the fold. I mean, he kind of had to. But Sane's not really, he's he's struggling a bit even at City this year. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the Germany squad, but is it? Has a lot, have a lot of people been cut or? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, Sammy Kadira was a casualty. There's been a few casualties. Um, a few young guys have come in. Kai Havertz from Leverkusen. Oh, nice. Um, exciting young prospect. Um, but yeah, lucky Joachim Lerf was under pressure to, um, to bring in some new faces and he has done that but i think there's going to be pressure for it to be even more
1: so that brings us to the end of another episode of the robona podcast thank you so much for listening you can find us on all social media platforms same handle at robona mag thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you again next week